All right, I want to do part two here tonight of a, a message I began called an Introduction to the Will of God, Introduction to the Will of God. I, I gave part one about a week or two ago. I want to continue with those points. I was going to have a new Bible study, but I'll be bringing that up. I hope to do this and maybe finish next week and then get into a new Bible study as we get into the new year on Wednesday nights. And uh, so... Uh, we are going to look at 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 5, very quickly, but just to review, uh, we gave you three points already. Number one is to be saved. Uh, that is God's will, all right? First uh, Timothy 2, 4, who will have all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter 3, 9, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Matthew 18, 14, even so, it is the will of it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That's number one. Number two, to be sanctified. Number one, for all to be saved. Number two, for all that are saved, to be sanctified, which is a big word, which means to be made holy. To be made holy. God wants his children to be holy. And we have struggles uh, with the flesh, and we covered that, but that's his will. God wants you and I to be sanctified uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit in us and, and our yielding to him uh, to be sanctified. First Thessalonians 4 and verse number 3. And then uh, I tied it into the Thanksgiving weekend. Number 3 was for the saved to be thankful. First um, Thessalonians 5.18. Uh, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus. So we're kind of looking for that little phrase called the will of God as we study the Bible. But I want you to know the will of God is really, really broad. It's really big. Uh, any commandment our Lord gives us would be his will, okay? Now I've been told there's over 200 commandments in the New Testament for the believer. I don't know if that's true. I've never checked it out. I suppose that would be close and we're not talking about the law of the Old Testament or Moses. We're talking about things that Christ and his apostles revealed to us by the Holy Spirit in this day and age. So anything that's a commandment would certainly be God's will for your life. Pray without ceasing. It's God's will that all of us pray. I'm just presuming you know that. I'm just looking at other specific things that are mentioned. Uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God wants you to be a Bible student, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but more, much more as you see the day approaching. God wants you to be a church attender. Love thy neighbor as thyself. God wants you to love the lost, love your next door neighbors and anyone you cross paths. And all these commandments in the New Testament would be God's will for your life and God's will for my life. Some of them are specific. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. That's, a, that's, that's God's will for your life. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's God's will for me as a husband. There's commandments for fathers. There's commandments for mothers. There's commandments for uh, employers, there's commandments for employees, uh, there's commandments for servants, and uh, we're told to love the brethren, 
to dwell together in unity, all those things in the church, to bring peace to your church, to bring love to your church, to bring unity to your church. So all those general commandments would go under the title of the will of God for your life. But this study is just about some specific um, statements uh, that maybe uh, sometimes we don't consider them to be God's will. And one is found here in verse 5. I want you to notice 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us, and now here's our subject, by the will of God. So notice number four tonight is for the saved to give themselves to God. Verse five, that's God's will. And number five tonight is for the saved to give themselves to their leaders. Now that's something maybe you've never considered before as God's will for your life, but there it is. In verse 5, they first gave themselves to the Lord, number 4, and unto us, number 5, by the will of God. So let me explain uh, those two, and then maybe we'll get one more in um, tonight. So number 4 is for the saved to give themselves to God. Uh, You and I, of course we should marvel at this church of Macedonia, And we often read their testimonies in October during Stewardship Month. Such a great chapter on stewardship here and how they were just so poor, these people, and going through great trials and, verse 2, deep poverty. And uh, they were were confronted uh, with the, uh, the step of faith of giving. And they prayed that these leaders, these spiritual leaders, would take the gift that they had given out of their deep poverty and pass it on to the fellowship of the ministering the saints. And this they did, verse 5. <clears throat> Not as we hope, but almost like in shock, the Apostle Paul writes, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, as the old saying says. First of all, they put themselves in the offering basket. And then their money. And then they even surprised them more. They gave themselves to us by the will of the Lord. Now, perhaps the more famous verse on this subject, number four, of the saved giving themselves to God is in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. If you want to turn there, I think some of you maybe have this, these two verses memorized and They should be memorized, but it says the same thing. Number four, it's God's will that you give yourself to the Lord. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we've lost our free will and we now become a robot that is forced to serve God. No, we still have a free will after we're saved as much as we did before we're saved. And, And of that free will, number four, it's God's will that we give ourselves to him. We present ourselves to him, and, and that's about the ultimate, all right? That's, that's about the ultimate gift you can give is when you give yourself to the Lord, when you give yourself to the Lord. And so this is what Paul is saying to the Corinthians, as we just read, and now also to the Romans, verse 1 of Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... Um, 
by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Praise God, our minds can be renewed too. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So it's, it's, it's the will of God and it's our reasonable service. And, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of preaching on this subject here. Uh, that, that it's just reasonable that if the Lord gave himself for us, and, and boy, did he give himself for us if you really think about it, at Calvary and in Pilate's Hall and in the Garden of Gethsemane and his whole life was given to us as a model and an example and, and, and then ultimately as our sacrifice. The Lord died for you, and I know you've heard that a thousand times, but try not to get used to it. The Lord died for you. The Lord died for me. He gave himself for me, it is only reasonable that I give myself to him. So I want to encourage you tonight, number four, to do God's will. Give your life to the Lord. Give your life to the Lord. Have a presentation day that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Just, just make it official. Just like the day you got saved, you made it official. You believed on Christ and just some, some day, and, and for me it was at a missions conference, in 1979, March of 1979, at a missions conference in Pennsylvania that I just said, Lord, here's my life. I've made a wreck out of it. But if you can do anything with me, my life is yours. And uh, I've tried to serve him since, and it's been a wonderful adventure. And it certainly is something that I wish I could uh, do more, have done more, have done things better or, or well, but but, uh, man, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't regret giving my life to the Lord. I don't regret I was 22 years old. I don't regret that. Now that I'm 66, I, I don't regret a day of it. Uh, I don't ever say, boy, I wonder what I could have been if I hadn't given all. I am so glad I gave my life to the Lord. And some of you are, too. You have no regrets uh, about that. But it's not too late to give yourselves to the Lord. Now, number five... For the saved to give themselves to their leaders, as we just read in our opening text, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5. It's an interesting statement. It says, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, that's number four, and unto us, number five, by the will of God. By the will of God. There used to be an old saying that when it comes to the church, there's only two types of people. There's the pastor, those called to be the pastor, and those that are called to help them. It's pretty simple. Uh, there's the pastor and those that are called to help them. And um, God is able to lead a congregation by one man. He's able to do that. Uh, he proved that with a guy named Moses. Uh, one of the minor prophets says, and by a prophet... Uh, thou ledest them through the wilderness. God just chose one man. Now God gave him helpers, 70 elders, uh, who took care of the lesser matters, and then they brought the greater matters to Moses. You can read about that in Exodus 18. And uh, so there is an incremental uh, form of ministry where the leader, Moses, or the pastor doesn't do it all, but but he delegates to other people who, nevertheless, though, are still under him. Uh, but our job is to give ourselves 
to the leaders that God has given to us. Turn to Hebrews 13. These are also familiar passages. Don't know who wrote Hebrews, but whoever did said this in verse number 7, Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have the rule over you. All right? The church is not a democracy, and that's one of the problems we have in the American church. We are so used to democracy. I've got my rights. I've got my say. I've got my vote. And it's wonderful to live in a country like that. But the church is not a democracy. The church is a theocracy. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of every local church. And in his headship, he chooses a pastor. One pastor. And uh, then that pastor then delegates uh, to men, maybe even women in some ministries and areas, and oversees them, and uh, oversees the, the ministry and the business side of the church. And it says, remember them which have the rule over you. Well, who are they? Verse 7, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now notice, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we follow their faith. We don't follow them blindly, but we follow them as they follow Christ. As they follow Christ. Then down in verse 17, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Their, their main concern about us is a spiritual one. When it says they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is not profitable for you. So it's not profitable for you or it's not profitable for the church to have a pastor who's grieved all the time. And so you and I need to be members <coughs> We hope that would give him joy. It's just a lot easier to do anything in life if you have joy than if you have grief. Um, If you're a wife and it's a joy to be married to that man, it's a lot easier than being a wife who's married to a guy that just gives her grief all the time. Joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And the joy of the pastor is his strength. The joy of the Lord is, is the pastor's strength. And so each one of us should determine to be a church member who gives the pastor joy and uh, thus giving him strength. We want to all grow in our faith to the point where we will be kind of a, what I call a low-maintenance Christian, uh, where basically the pastor don't have to spend much time on us. Okay, let's put it that way. Uh, We're having our own walk with the Lord, having fellowship with the Lord. We're maturing. We're growing in the Lord. We're getting the victory. We're serving the Lord. We're trying to reach the lost and all those things so that he he doesn't really have to worry about us. He watches for our souls, but he just says, oh, they're okay. They're okay. They're okay. I'll spend my time on these over here, maybe that are babes in Christ, that are just growing And uh, so I want to encourage you to have your goal to be a a low-maintenance Christian or maybe even 
so walk with the Lord so closely that you're a no-maintenance Christian. Uh, nobody has to spend any time on you. So, uh, so, so be, be a joy, and it is God's will uh, for us to give ourselves unto the, the leaders. Verse 24 says, Salute all them that have the rule over you. And so all three of these verses, verse 7, verse 17, and verse 24, use the word rule. Use the word rule. That is a New Testament practice. So again, as, as we approach the word of God in our studies, you, you, there's times where you've got to take being an American and just set it aside and say the Bible wasn't written from an American point of view. Uh, where we all get a saying, if we don't like them, we'll vote the bum out, you know, that type of a thing. Uh, that's not how the church runs. The church runs under Christ. And, uh, it, it, you know, you and I, it, it's kind of like uh, I've used this illustration too. You've got a, a father or a husband or a father in every home. You, you have to do what he says. He's under Christ. The head of every man is Christ. And so that father or husband at home hopefully is yielding to Christ. The wife and all the children have to submit themselves to that man in that house, whether he does the right thing or not. And if he makes mistakes and everybody suffers because of it, then you suffer. But you don't kick them out. Uh, And the same thing is true uh, in the church, there are times where pastors make mistakes. There are times when they say something wrong in a sermon because uh, they say so much, they preach uh, so often, and you just have to say, well, you know, it's, or there's, there's sometimes you don't agree, you know, like a wife might not quite agree with her husband spending the money on this or doing this or something, or why can't we have this house? Why we got to live in this house? And but you just got to go along with it. The same thing in your church with your pastor. So don't be an irritation to your pastor. Uh, and, and I'm preaching to the choir. You're all you're here on Wednesday night. Most of you are just good, dedicated people. But <clears throat> it's good to review these things sometimes. First Peter three fifteen says, "But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God." which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And so the church is the body, the bride, and the building. The building uh, that thou mayest uh, ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the church. And and the, the brothers and sisters who choose to assemble there. And so... It is, it is God's will that we give ourselves to our leaders. Our leaders came from the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah 3.15 was one of my life verses Well, when I was the pastor. It says, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. I have taken very seriously, and I know Pastor Barron does too, the feeding of people with knowledge and understanding. But the first part says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart. That's where your pastor came from, God's heart. God's heart. Your pastor came from God's heart. And uh, I wanted you to receive that gift 
of the pastor God has sent you in your life. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he, God, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. God gave them. So if we end up fighting against the pastor, we're fighting against God. We're fighting against the one he has sent. And I know that's, that's hard sometimes for us, especially with this, this independent American, in-your-face, First Amendment rights to say whatever I want. That's not Bible. We have that as a citizen in America. But we can't just say whatever we want in the church. We're told to let our words be few. And the scriptures even says that if a wife has a, a, a question, she's supposed to ask her husband at home. At home. And say, honey, the pastor said this or that, and, and what, what did he mean? And, and he's supposed to be the answer man. Or if there is a, a problem, and he can go to the pastor and say, yeah, we're, we weren't quite sure. My wife asked me about this. What we, we say, so it's, it's not a democracy. The church is not a democracy. It is a theocracy, Christ who designates a pastor now, what about him? Well, here's some, we, talk, we just talked about our responsibility as church leaders, and it would be very peaceful if we could live by the scriptures and, and realize, as I just read, he's going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. And uh, what if he doesn't do the right thing with all the hard-earned money I gave? He's going to give an account. You're going to give an account for giving it. You did your part. You're all right. He's going to give an account. Uh, then for that, and I think, we've, I think we've tried to be really good in that area with our church, uh, with the finances and stuff, and, and using it, stretching it as far as we can for the advancement of the gospel. I, I think our churches had been strong in that area. What about him, the pastor? Here's another verse that guided me. I tried to live by for 40 years as the pastor when I was the pastor, 2 Corinthians 1.24. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. See, we watch for your souls. That's the spiritual. We work in the spiritual end of your lives. Uh, but we don't infiltrate your house. And tell you how to have your marriage. We'll tell you principles from the word of God. How to have a good marriage and raise your children. But we're not going to come to your house. And, and have dominion over you. That's what the Bible says. Not for that we have dominion over your faith. But our helpers of your joy. And so we say I think this will help you as a married couple. I think this will help you as fathers and mothers. I think this will help you financially. I think this will help your health. I think this will help you spiritually. And. And we're trying to be helpers of your joy. And so I never tried to be a dominator. Um, and uh, I know Pastor Chris uh, doesn't either. Uh, he has no desire whatsoever to dominate what you do with your money or your house or your marriage or family. He just, he just uh, watches and says, I, you know, I think this would help. 
First Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. He's the overseer. See, like you got a football coach. you got one coach, just one. He may have a bunch of assistant coaches to help him. But he's the coach. The general manager made him the coach. The Lord Jesus made him the pastor. Everybody else, maybe there's assistant pastors, associate pastors, but there's, there's one pastor and that, that's maybe from the sports world a little better way of understanding the, the teamwork of a local church. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Episcopate, bishop, means overseer. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, not for the money, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples. Okay, whose faith follow. We read that earlier. Being examples. They they lead by example, and they lead by the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And our job is to follow. I'm a follower, and I'm not the pastor here. I'm not your pastor. I am no one's pastor in this room. Uh, I resign that. But I'm up here tonight because, Pastor Chris said, would you teach Wednesday night Bible studies? I said, Sure. That's why I, I, have, I have placed myself under his leadership. I have given myself unto him by the will of God. All right? So even times where a pastor might puzzle you uh, by a decision or something, it's not time to... What do you think of that? What do you think? And don't, and don't, don't start these brush fires in your church. Uh, just, just don't. Uh, be at peace, and, and, and God will believe, believe me. I can, I can know this from experience. God can straighten out his pastors, <laughs> all right, or remove them. Um, and uh, so we're, we don't have dominion over your faith. We're not lords over uh, your herit- the, the Lord's heritage. We're not lords. Uh, in Revelation 2, verse 6, Uh, The Lord said, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Then later in verse 13, uh, he says, I know thy works. I'm sorry, uh, verse 16, I think, uh, verse 15. So thou hast also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So there's the deeds of the Nicolaitans, Revelation 2.6. And then it's become a doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Revelation 3.15. Now break down the word Nicolaitans and it comes down to Nikaio, which means victory. Some of you wear Nikes. Nikaio. Nike means victory. They got the swish on the Nike. Nikaio means victory. Laity means people. Uh, To have victory over the people. Uh, Referencing power over the people. It had become a a deed 
uh, in the church of Ephesus, the Lord complimented them for fighting against it. He says, this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You hate it when some human being tries to take power over God's people. You hate that, deeds. And then it had become a doctrine. It had gotten beyond deeds to doctrine. And uh, the Lord talked to the church at Pergamos and says, So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Jesus hates it when clergymen take power over people. And these are verses that governed me for 40 years, and I'm sure our governing Pastor Barron, that we're not here to have power over you, to have dominion over you, to have lordship over you, because Jesus Christ is your Lord. But we're here to help your joy. We're here to watch for your soul, watch you spiritually. If you're getting off track, we're trying to bring you back. We're trying to warn you. We're trying to teach you how to have a spirit-filled life, how to pray, seek God's face, grow to be a mature Christian who does God's will. But I want to encourage you tonight to give yourselves unto those leaders by the will of God. And watch your heart. You know, we can be good on the outside, but if we're rebellious on the inside, there are rebellious men and there are rebellious women in the church. And we, we've, got to, we've got to be careful that we don't end up like a Diotrephes in Second John who loved to have the preeminence in the church. He thought it was his church. He drove John out of that church. He drove messengers, missionaries out of the church because it had to be his way. The Bible says in all things that he should have preeminence. Colossians chapter number one. So we've got to say Christ has preeminence in our church. And no man, no woman, watch out. You might be a strong woman. You're, you're going to have to crucify that. With the effects, there's nothing wrong with being a strong spiritual woman. We need them. We need all we can get. But you, got, you better watch it. If that starts to become a form of rebellion or stubbornness, and you end up with leprosy, like Miriam, for seven days, remember her? Anyways, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but God fixed her. And that was really early in the wilderness wanderings. And she humbled herself, and she became a great leader in Israel. One of the minor prophets uh, about 500 years later talked about how God led Israel through the wilderness by Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. We need strong women leaders in the church, but they have to be humble. And they have to be, and she had to submit herself to her three year younger brother, Moses, and, and the rest of her life. And she did it, she changed. And we need strong women, but, but they got to be careful that you're not rebellious and trying to get things your way. Um, I don't know if I should start number six or not. Uh, well, let me just start it and we'll, we'll close. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Now here's something. I'm trying to bring out a few things maybe you haven't thought about before, such as those, for the saved to give themselves to their leaders. Number six is this, the movements of God in our life to be led by the Lord. We don't 
maybe I don't, maybe I didn't mention this enough, but God wants to lead the very movements of our lives. Notice something Paul says in Romans 1.10. Romans 1 and verse 10. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And whether it's, what I'm saying here under number six is whether it's major decisions in your life or small movements in your life, they should be guided by the will of God. And he said, he's talking about a journey by the will of God to come unto you. Turn to Romans 15 and verse number 32. By the way, my wife and I are both ill tonight too, so. If we don't shake your hands, don't leave the church and say, boy, that guy is stuck up, man. He didn't even shake my hand. She's been really struggling, so, but she's here tonight. <coughs> Notice this here, Romans 15, 32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed with you. Now, I'm going to get into this a little deeper the next time, whenever that is, that I can uh, touch on the, the will of God. But the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I'm going to give you stories next time of not just these big, huge journeys Paul's making in the will of God as a missionary, but also some very little tiny stories that were divine appointments where God told somebody to do this, do this, go here, go there. And I'm going to try to establish that the will of God is for him to direct us in small little journeys and big journeys. And that he wants to oversee the affairs of our life. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And... um, and, and I, I wonder, I'm just, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to develop this a little bit better next time, but I wonder how many miracles or divine appointments we miss because we're not saying, Lord, help me. I, I mean, I remember a pastor who lived like 24 miles, 25 miles out of the city, and he pastored a city church. And so there was a hundred different ways he could go to church, to the office. And he would pray every morning, Lord, which way do you want me to take to go to church today, to go in my office? And a lot of times he would feel the Holy Ghost prompt him to go down this street or this street or go a different way or something. And sure enough, there'd be somebody there with a broken down car, a flat tire, out of gas. And he talked about how many people he got to win to the Lord because on a day-by-day basis, he was asking God to lead him. And that's... That's the will of God. God, God's leadership in, in our lives, I think, should be a lot greater than, than what we have where we just have these rare, occasional stories where we're in the right place at the right time. I think that should be the normal for men and women yielded to the Holy Spirit and doing the will of God. So Paul there talked about his journeys by the will of God. And uh, I'll try to develop that a little bit more next time, but think about that and maybe even start praying, Lord, 
you know, who do you want me to go see? Boy, if you just lay somebody on your heart, you know, maybe like Philip in the desert, go down to Gaza. There's this guy reading the scriptures out in the desert, and uh, go down there. And uh, it says Philip went immediately. I mean, he just bolted in that direction and got to lead that Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. And I think there should be a whole lot more stories like that if we're in the will of God. If we're in the will of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for those that did make it out. Help those now, Lord, that are (coughs) at home, sick, or watching on live stream. We pray your Holy Spirit would help us to to realize we're either in your will or not. And that we should present ourselves to you. We should give ourselves to the leaders that you have given to us. That's our job, whether they do the right thing or not. That's our job, to give ourselves to leaders by the will of God. And that we would think about not just the main journeys of our life, but even little stories we'll see. That on a day-by-day basis, we would ask you, Lord, lead me. And the will of God will lead us I think to more people we can imagine that we can help, visit, encourage, give some money to, pray for, whatever. Uh, Lord, help us to see more of your will than maybe we've seen before through this study. And now, Lord, we we do pray tonight in closing that uh, you would, uh, again, help those that were prayed for earlier, Yvonne. And her ex-husband, Mike, who's also suffering the loss. For Beth's mom and dad, who've also lost five loved ones. For the town of Wrangell and uh, the rescuers, we, we still pray for Derek to be found tonight. Please, Lord. We pray for Otto, the neighbor, to be found. And uh, we, we just pray that... I don't know what, what, what to pray for, comfort or something, but uh, Lord, just uh, an outpouring of love. Uh, Lord, in an unforgettable way for this family. We pray for Cindy Keefe's eye to be healed, and for Shiloh and Monique as they battle cancer, that you would give the victory. For Joe Ticarella tonight, Lord, I don't know. It'll take a miracle of thee. Uh, to heal him. We pray for him tonight. And, and we do rejoice in Jake and Lori's baby, Obadiah, and pray that we'd all just grow to love him as he becomes a part of our fellowship. Give us safety now going home and uh, give us grace uh, to serve you and to do your will each day. And we pray for the healing of all that are sick. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.